O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Wednesday, April 14th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land, not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph, there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Bread Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Tazriah, and it means, She Conceives. Leviticus 13, 41-59 If he loses the hair on the front part of his head and becomes bald at the forehead, he is clean. But if a white affection streaked with red appears on the bald part in the front or at the back of the head, it is a scaly eruption that is spreading over the bald part in the front or at the back of the head. The Kohen shall examine him. If the swollen affection on the bald part in the front or at the back of his head is white streaked with red, like the leprosy of body skin in appearance, the man is leprous. He is unclean. The Kohen shall pronounce him unclean. He has the affection on his head. As for the person with a leprous affection, his clothes shall be rent, his head shall be left bare, and he shall cover over his upper lip, and he shall call out, Unclean! Unclean! He shall be unclean as long as the disease is on him. Being unclean, he shall dwell apart. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. When an eruptive infection occurs in a cloth of wool or linen fabric, in the warp or in the woof of the linen or the wool, or in a skin or in anything made of skin, if the infection in the cloth or the skin, in the warp or the woof, or in any article of skin, is streaky green or red, it is an eruptive affection 
It shall be shown to the Kohen, and the Kohen, after examining the infection, shall isolate the infected article for seven days. On the seventh day he shall examine the infection. If the infection has spread in the cloth, whether in the warp or the woof, or in the skin, for whatever purpose the skin may be used, the infection is a malignant eruption. It is unclean. The cloth, whether warp or woof in wool or linen, or any article of skin in which the infection is found, shall be burned, for it is a malignant eruption. It shall be consumed in fire. But if the Kohen sees that the infection in the cloth, whether in warp or in woof or in any article of skin, has not spread, the Kohen shall order the affected article washed, and he shall isolate it for another seven days. And if, after the infected article has been washed, the Kohen sees that the infection has not changed color and that it has not spread, it is unclean. It shall be consumed in fire. It is a fret whether on its inner side or on its outer side. But if the Kohen sees that the affected part, after it has been washed, is faded, he shall tear it out from the cloth or skin, whether in the warp or in the woof. And if it occurs again in the cloth, whether in the warp or in woof, or in any article of skin, it is a wild growth. The affected article shall be consumed in fire. If, however, the infection disappears from the cloth, warp or woof, or from any article of skin that has been washed, it shall be washed again, and it shall be clean. Such is the procedure for eruptive infections of cloth, woolen, or linen, in warp or in woof, or of any article of skin for pronouncing it clean or unclean. Joshua 9, 3-10-43 But when the inhabitants of Gibbon learned how Joshua had treated Jericho and Ai, they for their part resorted to cunning. They set out in disguise. They took out worn-out sacks for their donkeys and worn-out waterskins that were cracked and patched, that had worn-out patched sandals on their feet and threadbare clothes on their bodies. And all the bread they took as provision was dry and crumbly. And so they went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, and said to him and to the men of Israel, We come from a distant land. We propose that you make a pact with us. The men of Israel replied to the Hivites, But perhaps you live among us. How then can we make a pact with you? They said to Joshua, We will be your subjects. But Joshua asked them, Who are you, and where do you come from? They replied, Your servants have come from a very distant country because of the fame of Hashem your God. For we heard the report of him, of all that he did in Egypt, and of all that he did to the two Amorite kings on the other side of the Jordan, King Sihon of Heshbon and King Og of Bashan, who lived in Ashtoreth. So our elders and all the inhabitants of our country instructed us as follows. Take along provisions for a trip, and go to them, and say, We will be your subjects. Come, make a pact with us. This bread of ours, which we took from our houses as provision, was still hot when we set out to come to you, and see how dry and crumbly it has become. These wineskins were new when we filled them, and see how they have cracked. These clothes and sandals of ours are worn out from the very long journey. The men took their word because of their provisions and did not inquire of Hashem. 
Joshua established friendship with them. He made a pact with them to spare their lives, and the chieftains of the community gave them their oath. But when three days had passed after they made this pact with them, they learned that they were neighbors living among them. So the Israelites set out, and on the third day they came to their towns. These towns were Givon, Shepharah, Biroth, and kiriath Yerim. But the Israelites did not attack them, since the chieftains of the community had sworn to them by Hashem, the God of Israel. The whole community muttered against the chieftains. But all the chieftains answered the whole community, We swore to them by Hashem, the God of Israel, therefore we cannot touch them. This is what we will do to them. We will spare their lives so that there may be no wrath against us because of the oath that we swore to them. And the chieftains declared concerning them, They shall live. And they became hewers of wood and drawers of water for the whole community, as the chieftains had decreed concerning them. Joshua summoned them and spoke to them thus, Why did you deceive us and tell us you lived very far from us, when in fact you live among us? Therefore be accursed. Never shall your descendants cease to be slaves, hewers of wood and drawers of water for the house of my God. But they replied to Joshua, You see, your servants had heard that Hashem your God had promised his servant Moses to give you the whole land and to wipe out all the inhabitants of the country on your account. So we were in great fear for our lives on your account. That is why we did this thing. And now we are at your mercy. Do with us what you consider right and proper. And he did so. He saved them from being killed by the Israelites. That day Joshua made them hewers of wood and drawers of water, as they still are, for the community and for the altar of Hashem, in the place that he would choose. When King Adonai Zedek of Jerusalem learned that Joshua had captured Ai and proscribed it, treating Ai and its king as he had treated Jericho and its king, and that, moreover, the people of Gibbon had come to terms with Israel and remained among them, he was very frightened, for Gibbon was a very large city, like one of the royal cities, in fact, larger than Ai, and all its men were warriors. So King Adonai Zedek of Jerusalem sent this message to King Hoham of Chevron, King Piram of Yarmut, King Japhia of Lachish, and King Debir of Eglon. Come up and help me defeat Gibbon, for it has come to terms with Joshua and the Israelites. The five Amorite kings, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Yarmut, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, with all their armies, joined forces and marched on Gibbon and encamped against it and attacked it. The people of Gibbon thereupon sent this message to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal. Do not fail your servants. Come up quickly and aid us and deliver us, for all the Amorite kings of the hill country have gathered against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his whole fighting force, all the trained warriors. Hashem said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them, for I will deliver them into your hands. Not one of them shall withstand you. Joshua took them by surprise, marching all night from Gilgal. Hashem threw them into a panic before Israel. 
Joshua inflicted a crushing defeat on them at Gibbon, pursued them in the direction of the Beth Horon ascent, and harried them all the way to Azekah and Makeda. While they were fleeing before Israel down the descent from Beth Horon, Hashem hurled huge stones on them from the sky all the way to Azekah, and they perished. More perished from the hailstones than were killed by the Israelite weapons. On that occasion, when Hashem routed the Amorites before the Israelites, Joshua addressed Hashem. He said in the presence of the Israelites, Stand still, O sun, at Gibbon, O moon, in the valley of Aijalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon halted, while a nation wreaked judgment on its foes, as is written in the book of Jasher. Thus the sun halted in mid-heaven and did not press on to set for a whole day. For Hashem fought for Israel. Neither before nor since has there ever been such a day when Hashem acted on words spoken by a man. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, returned to the camp at Gilgal. Meanwhile, those five kings fled and hid in a cave at Makeda. Then it was reported to Joshua that the five kings had been found hiding in a cave at Makeda. Joshua ordered, Roll large stones up against the mouth of the cave and post men over it to keep guard over them. But as for the rest of you, don't stop. But press on the heels of your enemies and harass them from the rear. Don't let them reach their towns, for Hashem your God has delivered them into your hands. When Joshua and the Israelites had finished dealing them a deadly blow, they were wiped out, except for some fugitives who escaped into the fortified towns. The whole army returned in safety to Joshua in the camp at Makeda. No one so much as snarled at the Israelites. And now Joshua ordered, Open the mouth of the cave and bring those five kings out of the cave to me. This was done. Those five kings, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Yarmut, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, were brought out to him from the cave. And when the kings were brought out to Joshua, Joshua summoned all the men of Israel and ordered the army officers who had accompanied him, Come forward and place your feet on the necks of these kings. They came forward and placed their feet on their necks. Joshua said to them, Do not be frightened or dismayed. Be firm and resolute. For this is what Hashem is going to do to all the enemies with whom you are at war. After that, Joshua had them put to death and impaled on five stakes, and they remained impaled on the stakes until evening. At sunset, Joshua ordered them taken down from the poles and thrown into the cave in which they had hidden. Large stones were placed over the mouth of the cave, and there they are to this very day. At that time Joshua captured Makeda and put it and its king to the sword, proscribing it and every person in it, and leaving none that escaped. And he treated the king of Makeda as he had treated the king of Jericho. From Makeda Joshua proceeded with all Israel to Libna, and he attacked it. Hashem delivered it and its king into the hands of Israel. They put it and all the people in it to the sword, letting none escape. 
and he traded its king as he had traded the king of Jericho. From Libna, Joshua proceeded with all Israel to Lachish. He encamped against it and attacked it. Hashem delivered Lachish into the hands of Israel. They captured it on the second day and put it and all the people in it to the sword, just as they had done to Libna. At that time, King Horam of Gezer marched to the help of Lachish. But Joshua defeated him and his army, letting none of them escape. From Lachish, Joshua proceeded with all Israel to Eglon. They encamped against it and attacked it. They captured it on the same day and put it to the sword, proscribing all the people that were in it, as they had done to Lachish. From Eglon, Joshua marched with all Israel to Hebron and attacked it. They captured it and put it, its king, and all its towns, and all the people that were in it, to the sword. He let none escape, proscribing it and all the people in it, just as he had done in the case of Eglon. Joshua and all Israel with him then turned back to Debir and attacked it. He captured it and its king and all its towns. They put them to the sword and proscribed all the people in it. They let none escape, just as they had done to Hebron, and as they had done to Libna and its king, so they did to Deber and its king. Thus Joshua conquered the whole country, the hill country, the Negev, the Shapila, and the slopes, with all their kings. He let none escape, but proscribed everything that breathed, as Hashem, the God of Israel, had commanded. Joshua conquered them from Kadesh Barnea to Azah, all the land of Goshen, and up to Gibbon. All those kings and their lands were conquered by Joshua at a single stroke, for Hashem, the God of Israel, fought for Israel. Then Joshua, with all Israel, returned to the camp at Gilgal. Luke 16, 19-17-10 There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate, full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and he saw Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that you in your lifetime received all your good things, likewise Lazarus, evil things, but now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And then he said, I pray you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. 
And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one went to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Then said he to the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he be cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother trespass against you, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to you, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say to this sycamore tree, Be plucked up by the root and be planted in the sea, and it should obey you. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say to him by and by when he has come from the field, Go and sit down to meat, and will not rather say to him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward you shall eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise you, when you shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Psalm 83, 1-18 Keep not thou silence, O God. Hold not your peace, and be not still, O God. For lo, your enemies make a tumult, and they, they that hate you have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people, and consulted against your hidden ones. They have said, Come, and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. For they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against you. The tabernacles of Edom and the Ishmaelites, of Moab and the Hagarenes, Gibal and Ammon and Amalek, the Philistines with the inhabitants of Tyre, Assyria also is joined with them. They have helped the children of Lot. Selah. Do unto them as unto the Midianites, as to Sisera, as to Jabin at the brook of Kison, which perished at Endor. They became as dung for the earth. Make their nobles like Oreb and like Zeb, yea, all their princes as Zeba and as Zalmunna, who said, Let us take to ourselves the houses of God in possession. O my God, make them like a wheel, as the stubble before the wind, as the fire burns a wood, and as the flame sets the mountains on fire. So persecute them with your tempest, and make them afraid with your storm. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and troubled forever. Yes, let them be put to shame and perish, that men may know that you, whose name alone is Yahovah, are the Most High over all the earth. Proverbs 13, 4 The soul of the sluggard desires and has nothing 
but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. I want to speak to you today from Leviticus chapter 13, and then we're going to jump into Joshua chapters 9 and 10. And so the very final verse in Leviticus chapter 13, verse 59, reads as follows. Such is the procedure for eruptive affections of cloth, woolen, or linen, in warp or in woof, or of any article of skin for pronouncing it unclean or clean. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. This whole chapter details with the spiritual disease known as Tazra'at, similar in presentation to leprosy, and the subsequent process of purification from this ailment. Tazra'at is understood to be a punishment for a number of sins, most famously the sin of Lashon Hara, or slander. Tazra'at could appear on a person's skin, clothing, or home. Ramban emphasizes that it is absolutely supernatural for inanimate objects to display signs of illness. Although Lashon Hara is a sin not restricted to the land of Israel, the miraculous spiritual malady of Tazra'at could occur only in the land where God's presence is manifest so clearly. This demonstrates that the spiritual stakes are higher for those who live in the Holy Land. We must always remember that one is held more accountable and one's actions have greater significance in Eretz Israel. So, I just want to think aloud with you about this. When we speak words, particularly curse words, negative words, harmful, hurtful, destructive, slanderous words, our words go out into the atmosphere. If you had a recording device something like Audacity or some other kind of recording device, when you record, you see the sound waves go on a strip, and then the sound is recorded on this recording device, and you can actually see the amplitude and the velocity of the words that go out into the atmosphere. So I'm not surprised that you would then see it would look like mold or mildew in the walls or on clothing if the words that are coming out into the atmosphere are going out and being released that are negative and that are evil and that actually loose and release demonic spirits. So now let's take a look again at a New Testament passage that kind of confirms this. Well, let me go back first. Before we go to the New Testament, I want to read verse. 45 from Leviticus 13. Verse 45 from Leviticus 13 reads, As for the person with a leprous affection, his clothes shall be rent or torn, his head shall be left bare, and he shall cover over his upper lip, and he shall call out, Unclean, unclean. Now that's very prophetic. In other words, you're taking your hand, you're covering over your upper lip. You're covering your mouth with your hand, and you're calling out the words, unclean, unclean. So there you go. That's a prophetic sign, letting people know the words that come out of my mouth are unclean. And because of that, the person has a leprous condition. So now let's look at this New Testament passage from Matthew chapter 15. 
uh, we'll start with verse 10. And this is a parable that Yeshua is going to speak to the crowd and then he's going to unpack it and decode it and explain it to his disciples. Here's the parable, Matthew chapter 15, verse 10. Then Yeshua called to the crowd to come and hear. Listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Yeshua replied, Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted, so ignore them. They are blind guides leading the blind, and if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. And then Peter said to Yeshua, Explain to us the parable that says people are not defiled by what they eat. Now before I go on, remember, we just read a whole chapter in Leviticus about what food is considered clean and unclean. And that unclean food that we're not to eat are things like swine and pork and shellfish and lobster and crab. That that's all considered unclean and it defiles us. So Peter has that background. He eats only clean food. He does not eat unclean food. So he doesn't understand. Well, how is it that, you know, what do you mean by this? That people are not defiled by what you eat. Verse 16, don't you understand yet? Yeshua asked. Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart. That is what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. Okay, so that really kind of explains and opens up for us in a much deeper way what all of this is about leprosy in um, this chapter. Now I want to jump into Joshua chapter 9 and 10. And as we consider these two chapters and the big battle that Joshua has with these kings, I want you to consider the fact that um, we have enemies within. We have the promised land within us, and we have to conquer the enemies within us, the enemies of unforgiveness, of anger, of self-hatred, of bitterness, of slander and gossip. So. Our flesh has to be killed. It has to die so that the spirit of Yeshua can increase. We must decrease so that Yeshua can increase. So now we have um, in these two chapters, uh, Israel gets tricked and they make a pact with a group of men. With um, they end up making a pact with the inhabitants of Gibbon because they get tricked. And the inhabitants of Gibbon pretend that they've come from a long, long, long ways away when in fact they are very near neighbors. So because they made this pact and they got tricked, here is a key verse. Verse 14, the men took their word because of their provisions. Their provisions were old. Their clothing was old. Their bread was crumbly and stale. 
and they did not inquire of Hashem. So that is an important key principle, that whenever we are about to make a decision to make a, a, a pact, a contract, an agreement, um, a decision about purchasing a home or a car or, a, or making a move or taking a job or even just small things, we need to inquire of the Lord. We need to seek him. We need to ask him and be led by his spirit in great matters and in small matters. And they didn't do that. They just looked at what their eyes could see, listened to the story, and then, you know, made a logical, rational decision, but did not include the Lord in that decision. Okay, continuing on in chapter 10, verse 1. When King Adonai Zedek of Jerusalem learned that Joshua had captured Ai and proscribed it, treating Ai and its king as he had treated Jericho and its king, and that, moreover, the people of Gibbon had come to terms with Israel and remained among them, he was very frightened. Okay, so the Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. This is the first mention of the name Jerusalem in the Bible. King Adonai Zedek, like Melchizedek, king of of Salem, Shalem, gets his name Zedek, righteousness, because he resides in Jerusalem, the city of righteousness, as it says, righteousness lodged in her. Jerusalem is not only filled with righteousness, it even causes its residents to be righteous and just. Adonai Zedek uses this virtue to stand up for moral justice by attacking Givonim, who had violated the Canaanite pact not to surrender to the Israelites. The Rambam, in his commentary, points out that from time immemorial, the nations of the world have recognized the uniqueness of Jerusalem. Physically, Jerusalem is in a prime location at the center of the country. Spiritually, they knew it is aligned with the heavenly temple, where God's Spirit dwells on high, and is the site he selected for the Beit Hamikdash, that is, the temple. Continuing on, in verse 24 and 25, it is written, And when the kings were brought out to Joshua, Joshua summoned all the men of Israel and ordered the army officers who had accompanied him, Come forward and place your feet on the necks of these kings. They came forward and placed their feet on their necks. And Joshua said to them, Do not be frightened or dismayed. Be firm and resolute. For this is what Hashem is going to do to all the enemies with whom you are at war. So I just want to just share with you a thought. And that is, if you've ever been in a situation where you were really frightened because there was a person out after you, going after you. Maybe it was someone who wanted to sue you. Maybe it's um, an ex-husband or a boyfriend who was being violent um, or just a family member who's really toxic and who has an axe to grind and you're afraid. Maybe it's a, a, a boss at work that just is very difficult and is doing everything he can to get you fired. Whatever it might be. This is a picture and a promise, okay, that our warfare is not with flesh and blood, but it's with principalities and powers and wicked forces in high places. We need to remember that. It's not the person, but there's perhaps a demonic entity operating in and through that person. 
and that ultimately we are to not walk in fear. We're not to be frightened or dismayed. We're to be firm and resolute. And the Lord is going to put all of those enemies who come against us under his feet. Yeshua is going to put the enemies who come against you under his feet. So do not walk in fear. Trust the Lord. And in your prayer closet, do battle against the demonic entities that are at work in the situation that are coming against you. And the Lord will give you victory. I pray that this encourages you and strengthens you and gives you boldness and courage and bravery in perhaps a very frightening situation. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Adonai Vish Mareka Yeah Adonai Anavilaka Vikuneka Isa Adonai Anav Ileka Vayaseh Leka Leka Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.